Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Thank you for joining us here on Orgasmic Tourist today. Before we dive into this episode, we want to issue a trigger warning for potentially sensitive content that may be discussed. This episode may contain discussions about topics that can be distressing and triggering, including the following domestic violence, mental and emotional abuse, sexual assault and rape, sexual acts, suicide, and child abuse. We want to prioritize your well being above all else. Please do not feel obligated to listen to this episode if you believe it may be harmful or distressing for you. Your mental and emotional health are incredibly important to us here at Orgasmic Terrorist. If you choose to continue listening, please ensure that you have a support system in place or seek professional help if needed. Thank you for your understanding and take care of yourselves always. Welcome to Orgasmic Terrorist. Jenna and Sarah's here. Hi, guys. All right. So this episode is following up our consent framework episode. We're wanting to dive more into the laws and we are going to focus in Oregon, but I wanted to let everybody know, or at least get into this because this conversation isn't happening about the legalities and consent and negotiations. We need to know what the laws are. And I want to thank you, Jenna, for doing all the research and putting this piece together. Uh, This is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, it's going to be educational for the very least of it. We are going to be a little bit more scripted today than what you guys are used to. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And that's because we find that this information is pretty important. So we don't want to deviate too much. We'll obviously be inserting comments here and there, but just so you guys know, we'll be back to our regularly unscripted selves next episode. We specifically wanted to focus this episode on the legalities and rights of people who partake should something go awry. What we have found is that though Oregon has been voted the kinkiest state and is quite supportive of sex positivity proven by the variety of sex clubs, strip bars, and adult toy stores, the laws surrounding BDSM are not well-defined. And that made us nervous and led to discussions about how to protect yourself legally should something happen. So today, that's what we're going to do is to discuss our findings. Um, To be clear, we will only be discussing the laws of the state of Oregon because that's where we're in. We highly encourage anyone that is into BDSM to do their due diligence and look up the laws in the state that you're living in. Each state has their own unique laws, not to be mistaken with Oregon's. Okay. In the realm of human relationships and intimacy, the concept of consent stands as an unwavering pillar, a fundamental principle that dictates the boundaries of what is acceptable and what is not. Yet, in the complex tapestry of human interaction, the interpretation of consent is not always straightforward. This becomes specifically evident when examining the legal framework surrounding consensual sexual activities in Oregon. Oregon, like many states, grappled this with a balancing individual freedoms and societal interests when it comes to consensual sexual activities. While the general rule is that when two or more Consenting adults engage in sexual activities, it's usually beyond the state's preview, and there are exceptions. The laws in this realm have undergone significant change over time, reflecting shifting social norms or a broader understanding of individual rights. One noteworthy example of this evolution is the history of sodomy laws. 
These laws, which once prohibited non-procreative sexual acts, were utilized to criminalize homosexuality until a landmark decision in 2003. In Lawrence versus Texas, the U.S. Supreme Court declared such laws unconstitutional, marking a pivotal moment in the recognition of individual autonomy and the decriminalization of consensual sexual acts among adults. So to shed more light on this legal, this current legal landscape, this discussion will provide an overview of Oregon's law pertaining to both consensual and non-consensual sexual acts. It's essential to remember that consent is a legal term defined by the state's criminal law. The definition has significant impacts for individuals engaging in intimate activities. Oregon's legal framework involves a range of statutes, each addressing specific aspects of consensual sexual acts, from anti-sodomy laws to public indecency and private indecency regulations. Oregon's approach is multifaceted. Intriguingly, Oregon maintains anti-sodomy laws on the books, but prosecutions generally focus on cases involving children or non-consensual acts. These laws outline different degrees of sodomy, each with its own set of penalties. Additionally, the state imposes penalties for public indecency, private indecency, and even prostitution, reflecting its commitment to maintaining societal norms and protecting individuals from non-consensual or exploitative sexual acts. While this overview touches upon Oregon's consensual sexual activity laws, it is not an exhaustive exploration. As we delve deeper into the specifics of these laws and their implications, it's crucial to keep in mind the broader societal context and the ongoing evolution of these regulations. So let's go ahead and um, talk about some new cases and whatnot, but also please learn your laws in your state. If you're not in Oregon, spend a little time on the internet. We will put a link in the show notes of a good resource for finding out laws in your state that we use to help develop this. Go to the show notes, click on it, find your state, and then do your research because we want everybody to be educated. That's why we do this podcast, in my opinion. And I think the important thing is one of the reasons why we decided to do this episode is in Sarah and I's personal life, we have community, we have these conversations, we have education around these things. We've had experience around these things. But if we're coming into this BDSM, thing where you don't have community. It's an idea in your head. It's something that you're interested in. Doing your due diligence is really important. Even if it's something that you end up not prescribing to, having all this information at the touch of your hands is quite possibly going to save you in the long run if something does go awry. And, you know, we were talking about Trevor Bauer, that professional baseball player who was accused of having non-consensual encounters with a woman that included rough sexual acts. And in his interview, what we've seen, I guess, well, in all the interviews, all the information, the rough sexual acts included requests to be choked out, slapped in the face, slapped in the body. But it's important to note in this case, specifically, Bauer's defense had argued that interactions were consensual and presented evidence, including messages suggesting that the woman had requested the rough sexual encounters. But they didn't do the framework. They didn't have the laws. They didn't have a contract. And so it comes down to a he said, she said thing. Let me just say, Trevor's been acquitted of all charges. He was never arrested. But we're not here to discuss the case in detail. And we wanted to make it clear that we stand behind victims of sexual assault and violence. This is not us choosing a side. It's only the fact that this celebrity is 
in the news for something that a lot of us experience privately in our lives. And I firmly believe that this information that we're going to impart is just, it's important. None of us are pop stars, right? We're not rock stars. We're not going to get people out there maybe in a, a way that would want to necessarily take advantage of us for money or anything like that. But there are shady people. There are shady people everywhere and every type of dynamic and all of the things. So it's just so important, especially when you look at BDSM and it's actually the aspect of physically imparting damage to people. We walk a fine line. How many episodes have we said? It's an eyelash away from assault and it has to be done correctly. And you have to have the education to make that not the assault, to make it the consensual thing and to really have your own back provided something goes wrong. I do want to say thank you for bringing this case for it because I did not hear about the Bowers thing and it's pertinent timing because it's all over the news right now. But it, it is scary if you look at what is actually the points to this case. Yeah. You know, she asked for it. And then this is a fallout potential, right? It sounds, yeah, it sounds like there was, this is a one-sided statement. I haven't been able to find any interviews that she's actually given. So this is the Trevor Bauer side of it. He right. did a new interview, I think a couple of days ago. And because it went to trial, all of the information's public knowledge. So definitely shared the text chats between the two. Definitely seems like, I, I, I don't think I need to say alleged anymore because this case is done and over, but she definitely had conversations with other people that was presented as evidence of, yes, I'm going after this person to get what I can get. And it, it did appear to have set up connotations. I don't want to get involved in that. I, I just yeah. want to say th these are these things though that we don't think of. When I go into a scene with a partner, we do have the negotiation. We do have the conversations and it just never, it's never occurred to me because especially since I'm monogamous with my BDSM practices, right? So I have one person that I trust. So I'm not going into a club like Sarah, say you go into all the time and you meet new people and you have these conversations, but you don't know them as well as I have come to know this person, but it's a double-edged sword. So you could have stuff go awry because you have somebody that's not as educated in the process. They are not talking about, they're not covering all the things that they want done to them, don't want done to them, all this stuff. I could get to it where it's, I have this longstanding committed relationship and then trust is breached and that's crazy in a different way. So it doesn't really matter what the scenario is. It matters how it's set up, what your understanding is, how you know to protect yourself especially within the confines of the law. Now, internationally, BDSM, I didn't even include it in this part, but BDSM internationally is, yeah, cool. Yeah. you. But in the States, it's because of these laws. And we're also actually lucky because, again, BDSM technically is illegal in Oregon, but because of all the sex clubs, because of all the sex positivity, because of all these things, cops aren't interested, right? We have the naked bike ride. We have all of the things that we do. They don't sit really and monitor these groups, but understand that any group that you are in could 
become a sting for a federal government agency, for a local police agency. You get somebody on a task force that has a hard on for that's not appropriate and you shouldn't be having this and having feelings about what I should be able to do with my body. And they're in that position of power. We've all seen how that works out. It's really important because you could be part of a sting, right? It's incredible. So you could be at a sex club and they could decide to come in and do a raid, even though it's a sex club. So it's, again, I don't want people to think that, oh God, we're being so overly ridiculous about that. No, we're not. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) Really, I, I think you said it well in one of our other episodes where you said, like when we were doing the non-consent consensual the CNC, like, consent, yeah, the CNC. non-consent. Yeah, I think you've worded it well when you, we were talking about the CNC and you brought up the fact that you got to be cognizant of where you're at, who you're with and like some of this stuff is to be done in private. Yeah. And, and even though in, you're in private, you still need to be aware of where our lines are. Cognizant of who you're doing it with. I don't think I would do CNC with a perfect stranger, but then again, we've already talked about the fact that it's not my kink to do CNC, but yeah, we're going to talk at the end of this episode about ways to protect yourself within the BDSM realm. And those are some of the things that we'll discuss for sure. (laughs) Cause it's, (laughs) I would not, I, yeah, CNC is not my thing anyway, And again, we did discuss in another episode, the vetting of the people that you're with. And if we're doing this with people that we don't know, you can have a ton of conversation in the front, but if you're not vetting them, you're not asking for previous partners of theirs that you can check in and see, do you feel like they honored your boundaries? Do you feel like there was anything issue? You know what I mean? It's the same thing with this. My community, again, is a little incestuous where it's, we all date each other. So the vetting process is really easy. We have people that have been in it for 30 years. We've got people that have been in it for five. Everybody is this community where we can reach out to each other. And I certainly, like those 30-year vets, man, if I have somebody that's I know, but I don't really know, I go right to those people. What have you heard? What's your personal opinion? Now I take everything with a grain of salt because some people definitely have people they just don't like. Maybe they didn't get along with them or that's not their type of person. But the fact that I'm doing the vetting, that's the most important. I agree. So we're going to start on the Oregon laws around BDSM and their activities. In Oregon, the legal landscape surrounding BDSM activities centers around the distinction between consent and non-consent activities. State law primarily targets non-consensual sexual harassment and sexual abuse, which can encompass BDSM practices, if not consensual. Engaging in non-consensual BDSM activities can result in criminal charges such as assault, harassment, or sexual abuse. Consensual BDSM between informed and consenting adults tend to be considered a private matter, but certain actions may still face legal scrutiny if they cross boundaries or violate specific laws. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about the differentiation between consensual and non-consensual BDSM. 
and we're just going to lay it all out again. Um, so BDSM, which stands for bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism, encompasses a range of sexual practices that involve power dynamics, role-playing, and consensual infliction of pain or restraint. It's crucial to differentiate between consensual and non-consensual BDSM activities as the distinction between them has legal, ethical, and emotional implications for all the parties involved, right? Consensual BDSM activities are those in which all participants involved willingly and knowingly agree to engage. Consensual BDSM activities are those in which all participants involved willingly and knowingly agree to engage. So here's some of the key characteristics that help us differentiate that stuff. Informed and voluntary consent, which is the foundation of consensual BDSM, lies in the explicit, informed, and voluntary consent of all participants. This means that all parties involved fully understand the nature of the activities, their roles, and the potential risks and boundaries. Following clear communication. Effective communication is essential in consensual BDSM. Participants openly discuss their desires, limits, and expectations beforehand, ensuring that everyone is on the same page and comfortable with the proposed activities. Establishment of boundaries. Boundaries are predefined limits that participants establish to ensure their physical, emotional, and psychological well-being. Respect for these boundaries is a fundamental aspect of consensual BDSM. The use of safe words. Sarah, you and I were just talking about this and how everybody needs to have one. I don't care if you use one. You have to have it and you have to communicate. So the use of safe words are predetermined words or phrases that participants can use to communicate discomfort or the need to stop an activity. Safe words signal an immediate halt to the activity and provide a way for participants to communicate even if they are role-playing or unable to speak freely. And then the most important one, Constant reevaluation. Consent in BDSM is ongoing and can be withdrawn at any point during an activity. Participants continuously check in with each other to ensure that everyone is still comfortable and willing to continue. So, what do you think about those consensual pieces, Sarah? So, I think for my community, that I'm the individuals that I play with and whatnot, that this is common sense, but I love the fact that it's clear explanation and Anybody can come in this knowing these rules and can feel safe. At least I hope that's what I hope. If I look at it, how even though we are in those communities, how we came into it was so different. I am the one that this would have helped because I didn't really have experience with BDSM at all. I had an idea and the partner that I ended up with, his partner wasn't into it. And so we had the conversation. I was so proud of both of us in the beginning that we were like, hey, we should probably, because we don't know what we're doing. We should probably have a safe word. We should probably do this. Are we comfortable? There was a longstanding relationship there too. So that communication was pretty free flowing. But had I had something like this, I'd have been much more on it. Okay, let's talk. Let's figure this out. Just simply because it was like, him and I in a hotel room one night and it was like excited and titillated. And and in those moments, you really can get swept away and not think about these things. So I really did appreciate that aspect, like you're saying. 
Well, I think it's funny that we bring this up right here about how your relationship led into being able to communicate easily. I actually was exposed to this from a movie. And I know that in the BDSM world, they absolutely hate this movie. But the one thing I've heard positive about it was about the contract. So I'm talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. When Christian Grey sits down and presents his contract, I looked at that scene. I'm like, oh, my God, that's awesome. I want to sit down and do that. I want to sit down and lay out where my soft lines are, my hard lines are. And that's actually really cool. And I had no reason why I wanted to do that other than the fact that I just thought it was really cool. But then when I got into this world and nobody was doing contracts, so at least not publicly, but privately, I heard about some contracts. I was like, oh, well, but I want to tell my hard lines. I want to tell my soft lines. Yeah. This is actually wonderful since learning about negotiations. And we've talked about many times. That's a key factor. That's where I get to tell my hard lines and my soft lines and everything. But that's a learned thing. But it was actually an exposure in the movie that got me. Yeah. And if you look at that fucking movie, which we know I'm not a fan of as well, (laughs) is doing it to legally cover his ass. I think that it also gave a skewed version of what a contract could be, too. It was so impersonal. It was like, here's my contract. You need to read it and sign it. And then you can go through. But it was a very intimidating scene. And I still hate that movie because it was such a predatory movie. I'm sorry, but this little girl as a virgin had no business being with this fucking BDSM brute of a man. Anyway, I I digress. But, you know, creating a contract, it's not really, no one's going to get whisked away by a billionaire. Some people do, maybe, you know, good, God, God bless you. Good for you. But this is not that. This is like, when we talk about a contract, when we talk about a negotiation, we are honestly mostly referring to communication, simple conversations. Hey, I really want this tonight, but I'm really not feeling, I know that we normally do the flogger tonight. I'm not really into the flogger. Please don't use it. I'm really looking for this type of stimulation. Let's pick out the toys that work within that stimulation. And then these toys we're not going to use tonight. Hey, I have a pain tolerance of this, even pre-testing a toy because your 10 is not my 10, right? I actually had a negotiation the other night with my Dom where I had got a new toy and I was just like, so this right here is a five to me. And then just transferred that over to them. And they were like, that's a five. Holy crap. So like, that's the contracts we're talking about. That's the negotiations we're talking about. This is the communication we're talking about. But again, All of that will go a long way if something bad happens. We're not anticipating, we're not hoping for anything bad happens, but Google it, people. BDSM is in the news. BDSM laws have been created. People have been persecuted and tried at trial for consensual activities. And we're talking about people that were consensual to each other and maybe the state stepped in. Maybe somebody else heard about it and turned them in because they were concerned about it. So this is why we're discussing this, is why it's so important for everybody to do their due diligence. I wanted to have Sarah read the non-consensual BDSM activities, and we'll discuss that then afterwards. Right. So non-consent BDSM activities involved engaging in BDSM practices without the informed voluntary consent of all parties. Here's how non-consent BDSM activities differ. Lack of consent. Non-consensual BDSM activity involves one or more parties participating 
against their will without understanding or agreeing to the nature of the activity. This can include situation where physical or emotional coercion is used to force someone into the BDSM activity. Another one is violating of boundaries, engaging in activity that violates the established boundary of one or more participant is a hallmark of non-consent BDSM. This can cause physical and psychological harm to the individual and is ethically and legally unacceptable. And then we have ignoring safe words or disregarding a participant's communication of discomfort or unwillingness to continue constitutes a non-consensual activity. Safe words are meant to be respected and act upon immediately. God, I love those. Very well done. I just think you're right. Those are the main pieces that are different. And I think a lot of people don't think about them as legal issues. No, because we all consider our sexual lives private and personal. It's our bodies, right? But as women, we already understand that people without uteruses get to make claims and laws and shit about our bodies. So it's really important to understand the legalities of this thing. Legally engaging in non-consensual BDSF activities can result in, in criminal charges of rape, of assault, of harassment, of sexual abuse, depending on the jurisdiction and the severity. Ethically non-consensual BDSM is a violation of individual autonomy and personal rights. Consent is paramount in any sexual activity and violating it breaches the trust and respect necessary for healthy relationships and interactions. To summarize, the distinction between consensual and non-consensual BDSM activities lies in informed and voluntary consent clear communication, respect for boundaries, and ongoing evaluation. Non-consensual BDSM activities involve a lack of consent, boundary violations, and a disregard for safe words. Upholding the principles of consent is essential to ensure the safety, well-being, and ethical conduct of all parties involved in BDSM activities. Super freaking important, people. With all the things that we just talked about, I know it's important to understand how organs legal framework differs from consensual and non-consensual activity within the contents of BDSM. The state laws predominantly concentrates on the non-consent assault, harassment, and sexual assault, which recognizing the importance of the consent in the sexual activity. So here's some key areas, non-consent activities, assault, harassment, sexual assault, or sexual abuse and breach of personal rights. Let's break these down. Organ laws explicitly targets non-consent actions, regardless of the nature of the sexual activities. This means that any sexual activities conducted without the informed and voluntary consent of all parties involved may lead to legal consequences. The next one is assault. Oregon laws address various degrees of assault from simple to aggravated assault. Engaging in non-consensual BDSM activities that result in physical harm, injury, or pain may be classified as an assault under these laws. This includes activities that cause pain, injury, or discomfort to an individual without their consent. Okay. Harassment laws in Oregon encompass unwanted and intimidating behaviors that cause an atmosphere of fear or distress. Non-consensual BDSM activities that involve harassment, such as persistent unwanted advancements or threatening behaviors, 
may be subject to legal action. Sexual abuse. Non-consensual BDSM activities that involve sexual acts without the informed consent of all parties can be categorized as sexual abuse. This includes activities that involve touching or engaging in sexual conduct without proper consent. Some BDSM activities may be considered a breach of personal rights under Oregon laws, engaging in activities that violate an individual's personal autonomy, dignity, or bodily integrity without their consent can be seen as a criminal offense. There you go. That is as specific as I can get with the Oregon laws. And does that not leave holes? It's all like this fine, sure, sure. But here's kind of what we're looking for. And one person's tomato is another person's tomato. So with Oregon laws still being on the books about some of these things, like you can see the loopholes in which if you found yourself in trouble, these would be the loopholes that they're using to get you in trouble. It's vague as well, which is why it's important to do your homework. While Oregon's laws address non-consensual activities in the context of BDSM, it also recognizes the importance of consent in sexual interactions. The concept of informed and voluntary consent plays a crucial role in distinguishing between legal and illegal activities. Consensual BDSM activities that involve adults who have given clear, informed, and voluntary consent are generally seen as a private matter and are not explicitly addressed by the Oregon laws. Just Breathe, Life, Relationship, and Intimacy Coaching. Are you struggling with trauma or relationship issues? Do you feel like you're stuck in patterns that are holding you back from living your best life? If so, it's time to take the next step towards healing and growth. Hi, my name is Jenna. I'm a life relationship and intimacy coach with over four years of experience helping individuals and couples overcome complex challenges related to intimacy, sexuality, and communication. I specialize in working with clients who have alternative relationships, clients that struggle with trauma, and teaching communication skills. Together, we can create a safe and supportive space for healing and growth and help you build the skills and tools you need to move forward with greater resilience and self-compassion. As a relationship coach, I also provide practical tools and communication strategies that can help you strengthen your connection and build a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. Whether you're struggling with conflict, feeling disconnected, or simply looking to deeper your connection with your partners, I'm here to help. I believe everyone deserves to have happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships and a satisfying sex life. And I'm committed to helping my clients achieve those goals. If you're ready to take the next step towards greater intimacy, connection, and pleasure, I invite you to schedule a consultation with me today. You can do this by visiting my website at justbreathewithjenna.com. I offer a free 30-minute intro session. Help is only a click away. Let me help you find the answers that are right for you. It's important to note that even within consensual BDSM activities, certain acts might still be subject to legal scrutiny if they cross certain boundaries or involve activities that are explicitly prohibited by law. Again, there's no clear statement about what the by law is, so there's loopholes there. Activities that cause serious bodily harm, violate personal rights, or involve non-consensual acts may still lead to criminal charges under Oregon law. The part that I think is important that we need to say here is that if you have any questions or concerns regarding the legality of specific BDSM laws or activities. It is advisable to consult a legal professional with the expertise in this area. They 
can also give guidance on how laws apply to consent and non-consensual activities, helping you navigate the complexity of the legal system while ensuring the respect and the rights and autonomy of all parties involved. If you are worried about it or you're wanting to know more about it, find a lawyer and talk to them. I think that most of us aren't going to need a lawyer for this in in our lifetimes, right? But just understanding, it didn't even occur to me as crazy as this is. And I'm looking at, we're talking about Oregon's BDSM consent laws and whatever. And I'm like, oh, fuck, there's lawyers for this. Like I never, you know what I mean? So even as much as we're immersed in and we're building this podcast and I was still surprised by, oh God, and it gave a list of lawyers in Oregon. I think having that again, just even if you just do it glancingly, but you bookmark the page and you save the contact or whatever you need to do in case anything does go awry. There are shitty people in all aspects of life. And no matter what you try and do, even with betting, you need to know how you can protect yourself. And it's really important for us to be part of that and help educate people on how to do that. Hey, consider us part of your education. I love it. Yes, I love it. So I wanted to finish up with some safety tips. When you're into BDSM, it's really important to know all about consent, safety, and the law. Obviously, we continue to say that. To stay safe and make sure everyone's on the same page, here are some important tips that I have written down. So I'm just going to do one through 10, and then we can go back and read them and discuss as we go. Exercising prudent judgment. Set definite boundaries. Employ safe words. Seek legal counsel. Select trusted partners, educate yourself, honor ongoing consent, refrain from public disclosure of identifying information, document conversations and agreements, and last, prioritize emotional well-being, last but not least. Those are the 10 tips that I wanted to share with everybody today. This is our suggestions on how to educate yourself around those consent laws. First one, obviously, was exercising prudent judgment. Prior to embarking on any BDSM activity, apply your discernment and critical thinking skills. Always place your safety and well-being at the forefront. If you experience reservations or uncertainties, it is vital to address these concerns before proceeding. This is the contract and negotiations that Sarah and I were talking about. You have the time to tell them, I don't want this. I want this. I don't like this. I like this. Just do it. It's worth it, I believe. Before starting any BDSM play, engage in open communication with your partner regarding your limits, boundaries, and desires. Be honest about your comfort levels and areas that are off limits. Establish mutual understanding or boundaries is pivotal for maintaining a secure and respectful experience. So here we go with the safe words again. Employ your safe words, people. Safe words are prearranged words or phrases that serve as immediate signals to pause or halt an activity. They offer a lucid and unequivocal means to express discomfort or the need to stop, even if prior consent had been granted. Ensure that all participants comprehend and agree upon the safe words to facilitate prompt responses if necessary. Seek legal counsel. Familiarize yourself with the laws in your area concerning BDSM activities. In the event of concerns of the legalities of specific practices, or if you encounter legal complications, consult with a legal expert specializing in this domain. Legal representation can offer clarity and protection in the face of any 
legal inquiries. Select trusted partners, engage in BDSM endeavors with individuals you trust and with whom you have established a clear understanding. If you are new to BDSM, contemplate participating in activities with experienced and knowledgeable partners who can safely guide you through the process. I like that one. Educate yourself. Invest the time in educating yourself about BDSM practices, potential risk, and safety protocols. Online resources, workshops, and conversations within the BDSM community can provide valuable insight to facilitate informed decision-making. Honor ongoing consent. Consent is not a one-time agreement, y'all. It must persist throughout the activity. Continuously check in with your partner or partners to confirm their comfort and willingness to proceed. If anyone withdraws their consent at any point, cease the activity immediately. Refrain from public disclosure of identifying information. Safeguard your personal information, such as your full name, address, contact details, and abstain from sharing them with individuals you meet online and or at BDSM events. Protecting your privacy minimizes potential risk. Yeah, and that's that's one that we didn't really cover and we haven't really talked about as well is don't be giving out all your info. You don't know who these people are when you're meeting these people you give bare minimum. Don't share a lot of details. You know, when you learn them, you start to know them, you can start to trust and build a history with them, obviously. But we don't just go and give away all of our secrets willy-nilly. So here's another one that I haven't actually personally done, and it goes with the contracts and negotiations that we were talking about, but I actually really like this. And again, hopefully we don't ever need it, but it's readily available and then easily accessed. So document conversations and agreements. So that could be a paper trail. It could be emails. It could be text messages. It could be a little video that you guys make together of negotiating the scene or whatever. Um, But when discussing boundaries, safe words, and other critical aspects of your BDSM activity, contemplate recording these discussions. Such documentation can serve as evidence of informed and voluntary consent, if necessary, in the future, right? And this this relates to our podcast prior to this, which was the framework of consent terminology. This would be where you would have your RAC or PRIC or CCCC framework within your contract, within your negotiation. Yes, I really like that. I think that's a wise factor that putting on here, a key factor. I like that. Okay, prioritizing emotional well-being. BDSM activity can invoke intense emotions. Ensure all participants are mentally and emotionally prepared for the experience. Post-engagement aftercare, which involves offering emotional support and comfort, is important for addressing any emotional or psychological effects. Keep in mind that the cornerstone of BDSM activity lies in the consensual exploration that upholds the boundaries and safety of all involved parties. By adhering to these guidelines and placing emphasis on open communication, you can contribute to a positive and secure experience for everyone involved. I like it. Hopefully everybody finds this one helpful just as, hey, these are the legalities and tongue in cheek. Again, we naively think that our bodies and our lives and our things are our own and they're not. They're not. They're still governed by state laws, federal laws, all of this stuff. And to find yourself in this situation where it is a he said, she said, they said one person's opinion versus the other. I can't even imagine how 
scary that would be to land in court for something like this because of the muddiness of it, right? There's ideas of what the law should or what the law says, but it's up to impersonal interpretation too. And it comes down to your lawyer's interpretation, the judge's interpretation, then you've got other people's opinions, which definitely leads into their own personal vendettas against practices like this, right? And shame and fear and all this stuff can really flam the flames. So I think it's really helpful if we were in this situation and knock on wood, we never are to have all this framework, to have all this understanding so that I could confidently defend myself. Look, here is what we have done. This is consensual. There is not a problem on one side or another. What is your problem? Because if you have two consenting adults and something happens and you both find yourself in contempt of the law or something, you have to be able to show that you've done all these things. We're talking assault, rape, harassment. These are big things to be on your personal record for the rest of your life for a night of no communication. That's what it comes down to. So it's life ruining for everybody involved. So where can we get the conversation started? We talked about contracts. There are tons of them that you can download. Just Google BDSM contracts. Um, There are kink workbooks that actually are very important. So it basically has you walk through. I have a link for one, actually. I found I sent you the other day. We'll get that up there. It will walk you through your own personal journey of your kinks. And so you have this book of this is my thing. This is what I'm cool with. This is what I'm not. And then as you grow and change, it gives you more resources and understanding of how to change that terminology going forward. But it's basically your own kink encyclopedia for yourself as a, this is what I consent to. This is what's awesome. So those are really helpful as well. Yeah. I looked at the one that you sent the other day and it's actually a a really cool checklist. So I, I, we are going to link it in the show notes. And also I'm going to probably put a copy of it on our website. The reason why I wanted to bring it up here is because it is a great way of communicating with your partner. I did one a long time ago before I was even into the BDSM world. I had a subby and my subby had given me this Excel sheet and it was his point of view. And then I filled in my point of view and it actually gave us data points of where we crossed over. Like he was a switch and I didn't even know what a switch was. And it was a really funny thing. I didn't even think about it until you got me that checklist the other day, Jenna. And it was like, oh my God, I did this once before. And it took Uh. me hours to fill it out because there was like thousands of questions or at least it felt like it. But then afterwards I learned a lot about myself. Yeah, I think you are going to learn a lot about yourself by doing a worksheet. And I think it's great. I think that's a great place to start this conversation and to start talking about where your consent lines are. I say with my own personal job is, well, I'm not looking for my no's as much because no's are clear in my dealing with my clients that I work with, but I'm looking for my maybes. I'm looking for where I can maybe lead them or introduce them to something new. And that would be learning more about me or learning more about my partner in this. I'm looking for their maybes so I can explore that with them to see if it's a no. But no's are usually no's. Like for me, I have my hard lines. Yeah, you're not wrong. And then if you look at it as a partnership too, all of this builds trust and intimacy. So you're going to learn a lot about yourself by doing these things prior 
too. Yes. You're going to learn a lot about your partner. That's the part of the vetting process too, is not only reaching out to their previous partners for information, which people might see as extreme and, you know, how do you trust, blah, 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 but it's your damn body. You're, right. you're putting yourself in the way of harm and to keep everybody I, I, you know, I guess basically what we're trying to say is just, it is important to know this stuff. It, it wasn't something that I was even concerned about myself until you introduced me to the frameworks of the BDSM. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what the legalities are. I've been in this BDSM lifestyle now for five years and I've never thought about it. Not once, not even with the, the situation that in the public and all this stuff, it, it never occurred to me that oh, I should probably know what the laws are. So I, I know that people are going to find us overboard, but here's the deal. What do we constantly talk about is communication, how important communication is, how important education is, how important all these things are. And if you're not talking about it, or if you're irritated, you're probably still not talking about it enough. It's just constant fucking communication, constant honesty, constant showing up for yourself. I have off days. I have off days where I negotiate a scene and I think I want the one thing and it, man, and when it happens, it knocks me off my feet. Yeah. And I have to stand up for myself. It helps me being able to have these conversations helps me hear myself say my boundaries and it helps me hold my boundaries. Like, I don't want to do this. That's not my thing. Because of my people pleasing, because I do and will slide back into people pleasing mode, which means I'm going to fuck through it. And I don't want to fuck through it. I want part of it. One of my partners that I absolutely adore, I was telling them about doing this episode and they turned around and said, oh yeah, you have no rights to your body. You cannot sign away your body to be abused. And I'm like, that's not fair. It's my body. And so I started to get angry about it because I hadn't thought about the legal aspects yet. You know, yeah, we can't commit suicide. It's against the law. We can't do this. We can't do that. There are all these laws against our bodies. And I hadn't thought about how we're trained to this. I'm the one that's putting myself there. I should be allowed to give up my consent legally. But then I found out I couldn't. And so it was really important to learn all this myself recently how to be clear in my communications with my partners. And I appreciate this. So thank you again for the time and energy you put into finding the information and putting it clearer. Like you said, you started with 19. We're down to 10. We did good. <laughs> uh, I started with 19 pages. I got up to 30. Yeah, see, we, we condensed it to 10. And it, it's a lot of redundant stuff, of course, because as you're crawling through all this stuff, you know, you're just calling and, and pulling stuff and trying to set up the framework for whatever podcast we're going to have. But it was, it's still a little unnerving to me that this was the best that I could do because the laws are not clear. They do not say if this specific thing happens, this is the punishment. It's like these broad strokes that cover this loophole that they can get you for, right? My partner now, God, I would never want them to be faced with legal action when they were doing something that I consented to. And it scares me that situation obviously could happen in the real world, right? I would be like, no, no, no. I told them to. I wanted this. And a judge or a whatever could decide, nope, 
you don't get to do that. So again, it's just the information, being informed and talking about it. As ridiculous as this whole need for this podcast might be, it's not. (laughs) It's something that everybody should know about. And I can't think of one time in the, what, 14 years now of ENM, ethical non-monogamy that I've been in, that I've, and and in all the scenarios and all the programs or, or tastings that I went to, all the education that I've done, never once until I had that thought around us doing that previous podcast. Have I ever heard anybody talk about the consent laws in Oregon? Consent yeah. laws in general. No, I was floored when we started diving how many laws there are out there against hurting my body versus giving me the freedom. I was shocked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do understand and appreciate these laws for the BDSM stuff. It is a murky thing. It is. And that's why, right? Again, can be an eyelash away from any of these things. And so I appreciate some laws because obviously they're needed, right? They're definitely needed. And I can see the people that do abuse these situations definitely need to be able to be held accountable for, right? Right. I need to be able to protect myself and my partners. And that's where I wanted to go with this is, wow, how does this apply to me? And what do I need to know? So it's crazy. Appreciate everybody listening and staying diligent. Send us your questions and your feedback. We will love to answer if you have any more questions regarding consent framework or the laws, or do you want to share a story? Please send us to orgasmicterrorist at gmail.com. Where are all the places that they can find us, Miss Sarah? (laughs) They can find us on Patreon. By the way, thank you to our Patreon sponsors, supporters. They're rounding our bases, which is awesome. Find out what I mean by that by going to patreon.com at Orgasmic Terrace. They can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Download, share, rate, please. It is the game that everybody has to play, but it really does help us get out and reach more people. So yeah, please do that. We would love it. We thank you for all the supporters we have now. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We got more exciting episodes coming got some really exciting episodes for this season, but next season we've been developing some really fabulous pieces already. This has been a journey and I appreciate you, Jenna, for being on this journey with me. This has been amazing and I look forward to all the fun new stuff we're going to learn in the coming episodes. Agreed. We have some really good interviews coming up. I do want to put a a little shameless plug for the Patreon again. I know it's definitely a paid support thing, but you guys, there's some really great content on there, like videos and stuff that are are not accessible through the actual podcast. So go check it out. See if you like it. You get presents for loving us and supporting us too. So we're equal opportunity givers. (laughs) We are. We're very switchy in our. (laughs) I've been having fun looking for really fun things to give you guys. Merchandise is my favorite little hobby. And yes, we'll be working on t-shirts and merch. This year, I'm excited to have you guys as part of the team. Look forward to it. I guess this is time to say, go be good humans. Go be good humans, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmicterrorist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. 
As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmicterrorist at gmail.com.